0: Spoken Word, half an hour of poetry and performance. Your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene. The voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices. You are listening to the 3CR Spoken Word program and I am George O'Hara. And this week we have a live recording of Laura Fisher at the Dancing Dog Hotel in Footscray. Laura's first job was with the prestige British supermarket, Sainsbury. She tried to make friends with her co-workers, for she had few at school. But since most of them were into so-solid crew and arsenal, she found that she had more in common with the numerous bottles of condiments and tinned non-perishables that she was stacking. From there she left her half-Cockney, half-posh conservative town of Wayland Garden City to seek music, arts and literature in the industrial city of Manchester. There she joined the Manchester United Creative Writing Society, who bought out an anthology called Tiny Minds. There are not many copies of this book in circulation, but literature archaeologists believe there is one copy in her parents' garage, despite Mr. and Mrs. Fisher being unable to locate it. Laura then went on to live in Sheffield briefly, and after she went to Bristol for a duration, giving her an accent that is difficult to pin down and changeable depending on what mood she's in. In Bristol, she dedicated herself to a civic job unrelated to poetry, where she joined a big nationwide team that served every member of the British public. The skills acquired in this role are appreciated on a global scale and this led Laura to the city of Melbourne. Alone and far away from home, Laura missed her many English friends. She thought particularly of the condiments and non-perishables from her long ago first job and their struggle to get from the storeroom onto the shelves. She started writing poems to tell their stories. Laura has also been inspired by nature, the universe, the perspective of animals, and the difficulties that arise when animals choose to poo in places that are inconvenient to humans. She has also worked on her novel Autumnal Equinox, which combines Celtic folklore and contemporary characters struggling in a grossly unequal class-dominated society. So, let's have a listen to Laura.
1: Hello, so great to be here. So this is my first feature, and yes, I am nervous. Um, thanks very much to initially No to giving me my first feature. That is uh, something I'll never forget. Um, so um, I've divided my set into chapters uh, based on my bio. Um, when initially said I had to write a bio, I was a bit uh, overwhelmed because I've never had anything published or performed any of my own work. But then I really enjoyed writing it because actually one of my favourite things to do is write about not very much. I think sometimes the less that happens, the more there is to say. Um, So the first chapter is on condiments and their perspectives. My first job was as a shelf stacker um, for a prestigious supermarket, Sainsbury's. Only my official name was um, replenishment assistant. Yeah, and can you see the muscles that were good for that job? remember many customers had to rescue me as I nearly um, injured myself. Um, but I didn't, so I'm still here. Um, so I've got some friends uh, from my first job. I'll just introduce you to them. Um, so we've got English mustard. He's hot. And we've got uh, mayonnaise. And our last guest... Um, is very talented uh, because I really wanted a tin of custard but you don't have that in Australia so um, uh, Carlton of Custard very kindly stepped up and is going to play a tin so can we please have a big round of applause for the Carlton of custard so um, this is uh, you know what mayonnaise has to say so I've spent a lot of time listening to mayonnaise which not many people do (laughs) So this is called They Say He's a Drip. Mayonnaise, mayonnaise, why do you cry? Oh, I'm not crying, and I'll tell you for why. It's just that from sandwiches, sometimes I drip. Sarnies get loaded. I can't handle it. Mayonnaise, mayonnaise, hold your own. Keep between the slices and don't have a meltdown. That's easy for you to say when you're strong and tough, but I'm wet and runny. I've just had enough. Even on the shelf, I'm in a glass pot. If anyone knocks me, I smash in a shot. Mayonnaise, mayonnaise, I've seen you in plastic. But not all the time. Things can be drastic. So don't you make out it's easy to be me. You just haven't lived it. More empathy, please. So um, when I did some investigation as to who is harassing mayonnaise, it turned out it was this guy, the English mustard. And I really don't like English mustard. I hate the way it tastes, so I wasn't surprised to find out that he's a bastard. (laughs) Uh, English mustard. I'm the bravest. Tough, handsome and courageous. Even in a storm, I never flap. Give me an earthquake. I can handle that. Oh, English mustard, you think I respect you, admire and revere everything you do. You think, I haven't, you think I don't notice, but I have seen you delegating and outsourcing most work you do. You got the gravy doing manual labour, and when it was finished, you did him no favours. Instead, the baked beans were forced to let him go. You hid in the office while the beans dealt the blow. And when it came to clearing up the mess, the mayonnaise did it. At least that's my guess. And the reason that you stay so rich through it all is because you pay them almost nothing at all. You've lied, you've cheated, distorted and tricks. I tell you, English mustard, we've had enough of this. You think you're safe, but something is brewing. Watch it, mustard boy, because it's you we're pursuing. So I thought that we could donate these to the raffle, um, especially the English mustard, because I really don't like that, so you're welcome. Uh, So now this is the very versatile tin of custard. This is a new one, so if I don't read it so well, bear with me. The spotlight's on you. We hope you haven't lost it. You hope I ain't lost what? I'm just a tin of custard. A tin of custard in the right time, right place? You're what this company needs to help the human race. For this company struggles, and we always have not enough resources and no clear plan. But our policies always guide us. We make it through, and our latest policy leads us to you. For you have the breeding young Custard should get, the experience, the education. There's nothing to regret. I swear I ain't got it, and I never had. Mostly swirled in a bowl. They said I tasted bad. But there was no other sauce to make the pudding oozy. No other sugar goo. So I couldn't be too choosy. Well, young custard, you can prove yourself here. This is a fine old chip and we'd love to let you steer. How can I grab the wheel when I'm liquid matter? We'll turn you to ice. Please don't. I'd only shatter. Hang on. Actually, one idea swirls in my custard brain. My custard cogs are spinning, though thinking such a strain. There's one thing to add from my custard understanding. Well, custard, spit it out. All right, you're so demanding. The one thing custard knows, and knows to be true, the advice that custard gives you is your company is screwed. (laughs) Thank you very much. Uh, So my next chapter is on injustice which bothers me and I'm sure bothers uh, everyone Um, well actually it doesn't bother some people and that's where we come into the care bears. Now um, my dream uh, job would be to write for an English website called the Daily Mashup. Um, I've been told that as English British we have the worst tabloids in the world um, which is something to be ashamed of. And the Daily Mashup um, is a spoof of a horrendous paper called The Daily Mail, which is pretty much like The Herald Sun, owned by the same guy beginning with M. I'm sure we all know who I mean. So I wrote this as an article for uh, The Daily Mashup. I was going to submit it and get a job with them. Um, but I decided instead it's a better poem. Uh, so this is a news announcement The Care Bears Don't Care. In a controversial turn of events, the Care Bears have announced that they don't give a shit. After decades of struggling with the hopeless human race, these kind-hearted bears have decided to quit. Oh yes, we don't care, love a confirms, and no one should care, you only get burned. I'm going to be an arms dealer, Tenderheart boasts, with all my profits I can sniff lots of coke. <laughs> and he won't be alone, French head chips in. I'm going to be a anchor and live a life of sin. Hopeful Heartbear Bear is writing for the sun. Stirring up hatred is just so much fun. Sharebear is starting his political career. I'm going to support the rich. Let me make that quite clear. I got tired of trying for those who can't be lifted. I want to win the game. My loyalties have shifted. But the most shocking part of this appalling crisis is America Care Bear. He's joining ISIS. (laughs) Not available for comment, this bear's been led astray. On YouTube, he's shown us how much he hates the USA. But he loved it once. They all did. And every nation in the world. They loved each man and woman. They loved each boy and girl our hatred always pained them but our apathy was worse at least hate shows that love once was but disregards a curse we failed to support them the carers weren't cared for we took their aid for granted so their goodwill is no more too late to change them back they're well and truly damaged but we can be what they once were that's all that we can manage So, uh, this is a poem I wrote about the unfortunate um, change that happened to my nation this year. Uh, I remember seeing it coming up on Facebook, and um, the, the evening before, I'd been laughing at a daily mashup article um, about a really racist old lady called Mary Fisher going to vote for um, leave. And that was my nana's name, so that made me laugh. Not that she was a racist old lady. Um, and I just wasn't worried, I just thought it wouldn't happen. Um, because I, I didn't realise how many racist people there are in the UK because I've always lived in cities and I think although there are racist people in cities I don't really think they live in the cities. Um, so it was a big shock to realise how many racist people there are. Not, that, not wishing to say that racist people wish to leave but, um, you know, there were some racist attacks on Polish people after we left which was really embarrassing and upsetting. Um, anyway, I'm blathering on. I'll read the poem uh, so this is called An Epic Fail, A Cautionary Tale. And I want you to pretend that I am Boris Johnson or Michael Gove uh, or Nig- Nigel Farage, one of the politicians who really pushed for this. Ladies and gentlemen, all of society, boys and girls across the country, I come to you today to address you all, the poor, the ri- great and the rich, the poor and the small. For we are many types, the have, have nots, The educated, illiterate, chavs and the snobs. And it's not only wealth that sorts and divides us. There's rural and urban, ethnic or white, Christians, atheists, Hindus, Buddhists, Muslims and Sikhs, agnostic beliefs. All have the vote, even the stupid, even the racist. No one excluded. The stupid are the point of this tale. So let us examine, why do they fail? First, who are these stupid? The lazy, unemployed, they don't contribute, which makes us annoyed. These scroungers include retired, disabled mothers, but don't dwell on them, fixate on the others. The ones with jobs we're loath to mention. They slay for little and get less attention. Or get a pittance, then go nowhere, stuck in their spaces, see the same faces. We will provide limited information. The rest is stored at the back of the library. They must dig through the books if they want to be free. We don't make it obvious that we're holding back. We know how to work them, what makes them crack. We're ever so good at shaping endeavours. We must be the best. We're really rather clever. The cautionary moral of this sorry tale is rather embarrassing, a monumental fail, for as we succeeded in controlling the stupid, the one thing we neglected to do was make the realisation that... We're stupid, too. And so, I give you the fail. The epic fail. Uh, Okay, so, um, this poem is called Red the Eye. There's a red eye that each winter that opens on the side of my hand. The dulling chill descends. The world blows Wet, then ice dry, then hot, then wet again. Water from the sky, water from the tap. Red peeps, skin stings, splash, splash, splash. Tissue bulges, hands shout, so I take my nails and scratch. The scratch relieves for a moment the itch that was a pain. But red is dragged wide open and the itch begins again. Hand open, hand shut. Red is stretched each time. He's becoming more established than this right thumb of mine. I can only keep him shut if my hand becomes a fist. But I can't punch out life's problems. Life, uh, red continues to exist. Red is looking, staring out, but he never cries. He can bleed, not contribute. He's mostly damned and dry. You thought I only have eyes of blue. No, I have a red eye. I can't shut him, there's work to be done. The scrape of gloves off, the scrape of gloves on. Red watched them closely whilst we gave and gave again. Saw they didn't stop taking, that they really were no friends. From the eyes in my head leak a sweet blue, but my good will's getting thinner. From red eye to the ear to the thought to the brain, their fever took me and drove me insane. Summer came. Red clothes to form a harmless white moon patch, but I am ruined and rotten by the itch I cannot scratch. So tell me, Red, now shut, sleeping only, if we failed to pulse the colour for the pictures of the truth, if they made us fit their model like a badly fitting shoe, how could I have twisted to get their ropes undone, my own laces of sanity no longer tightly done? But even if stuck together and as cool as the winter outside you cannot win by se- against selfishness for she lives life by lies Okay. Uh, so um, this last chapter is on slime um, I write a lot of poems from my dreams and I spent a week dreaming a lot about slime Um, And this is what I learned about slime relationships. I dream of the blobs. Are blobs forever? Will the two blobs ever get it together? Don't ask me the fate of the blobs. Blob fortune telling. It ain't my job. She, Blob, glances. A spark in her eye. She's totally purple and made of slime. He, Blob, blushes. Gives little away. Electric blue glob. Do globs feel pain? Seemingly human, the first blobs I've met. Blob psychology. haven't learned it yet. Even human insight is misty to me. I've got two eyes, but I still cannot see. Don't know myself, so I can't know another. Don't know a thing. My mind's been smothered. Can't unpick my species, let alone the blobs. Don't expect me to know. It just ain't my job. And uh, now we move on to slime poison. To myself, I am true. I live without doubt. Yet every night, the slime leaks out. Crustaceans crawl in, elapse to be still. Are they dead or just terribly ill? I don't want to touch, but it is my job. Slide the shells, reveal black globs. This poison, this is the poison glistening like oil, dripping from under the shell spiral coil. To touch is risky, ignoring is worse. Poison not dealt with is more of a curse. I live without sin, my beliefs I do shout. Yet every night, the slime leaks out. The slime leaks out. The slime leaks out. The slime leaks out. Thanks. Okay. And um, how am I doing for time initially? Um, one, more. one more? Okay. Um, I might read one from the back then. By the way, um, John McKelvey, uh, I put on Facebook, is there anywhere cheap to print? And John McKelvey printed this off for me at his work and uh, made this book for me. Isn't he a nice guy? He is. <laughs> and Lynn McKelvey did my um, uh, portrait. Um, right, so... That's enough jabbering on. Uh, this poem is called Half. There's a half hearted man with half sighted vision. He goes where he sees, uncompleted mission. He will explore with a half searchful stare. Built half a staircase, then didn't get there. I met half when the moon was full. My cup overfloweth, but his was half full. He took my hand in a semi strength grip. I gave a full heart, felt compelled to do it. I saw all his half and waited for the other, but of course it wasn't there, cos half ain't no lover. I gave half all. These days I give less. I still give something, cos half is his best. Thank you.
0: You have been listening to a live recording of Laura Fisher live at the Dancing Dog in Footscray. A quick word about poetry seen in Melbourne... The Dan O'Connell Hotel in Calton is on every Saturday from 2 p.m. Westward in Footscray, which you'll be listening to today, is on every second Sunday at 2 p.m. The Owl and Cat readings are on the first Sunday of every month from 4 p.m. And Passionate Tongues is on every second Monday at the Brunswick Hotel starting at 7.30 p.m. There are a lot more readings, some of them with open mics, so please check out SpokenWord.com for more info on the scene. And now... Let's have a listen to the second part of Laura Fisher.
1: Okay, so um, chapter five has got an ambiguous title on grieving and seeking. So um, very often when I write poems, I don't name them. Uh, If they don't have a natural name, I don't name them. But I thought because I'm featuring today, I'd make an effort Uh, So this is a nod to The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and it's called Trying to Reach the Restaurant at the End of the Universe. I'm counting all the numbers to eternity. My friends think I've lost it, but I disagree. I'm counting very fast, so it'll soon be done. I'm drinking lots of coffee and I'm having lots of fun. When I reach the number at the end of time, I will let you know to ease your troubled mind. Let's face it most don't appreciate an endless universe Hawkins may not mind it but for me it's a curse I'm counting everything till there's nothing left to count and you should see the crowd that's in my tiny house each time it gets too small we do coordinated shrink infinity can diminish to a microscopic think I'm traveling all the years until the end of time and yes it's time to come clean that I have lost my mind I'm not doing this because I wanted more and more. What I wanted was to condense reality and put it to one side to ease all the tension in my lost, crazy mind. Uh, and, um, yeah, now I'm going to talk about the moon. And I uh, don't expect to get any disrespect from George for that, you know. Sometimes poets talk about the moon. It's been done a lot, but we can still do it again. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we go on to the cliché, the moon. This is called The Pull of the Moon, um, written, yeah, when I was doing a lot of dreaming. And, um, yeah, Lisa, my Australian bestie... I have an Australian bestie. (laughs) She talks about the moon a lot, so um, she just encouraged me to... uh, think about these dreams and this is what I wrote. I fear the ocean won't be deep, that love will give me nothing to keep. I fear the moon isn't far away, that if I lose matter I'll be there someday. Up there life is, meaningless, cold. If heaven is up in the dead night sky, drag me to hell in fire I thrive. For you, for you, I'm looking for you. I dream of my ancestors on the moon. Not those lost in times, but the, one I really, but the ones I really knew. I dream of them being stranded, shut out. Exiled to black and white in an empty rock drought. I dread this existence. Is it really true? For you, for you, I'm looking for you. I need to infiltrate to see if it's really true. I can't wait to be killed by the clock. Did you know that you can fall Up. No one will hear you when you hit the top. For you, for you, I'm looking for you. I am a mortal, not a goddess. I wriggle, struggle against being powerless. For you, for you, I'm looking for you. As for the ocean, that's really a puddle. The moon pulls that around too. I walked a long time, but I can turn back. I don't have eternity, but I have another life. So I turn around, walk the continent to another shore. This puddle in the void, it ain't never going to fill. And this one is called The Colour of Love. Um, I wrote it after I've been doing a lot of meditation on my chakras, um, which was aided by YouTube. I don't know how spiritual it is to meditate with YouTube, Um, (laughs) but uh, nevertheless, I do it anyway. Um, Yeah, I wish I could say I've been in India or something, but that would be a lie. Um, I have been informed by a new authority that the colour of love is green. The colour of love is green, not red. Red, the colour of blood. I bled and I bled all over the floor. But did you know, blood soon congeals once it's left the human. It becomes goo. Not a liquid that can flow. Not a liquid that can travel. Not a liquid that can deliver. No, it congeals, it stagnates. The films aren't realistic. Who cares anyway? Green is the color of love. Green, I believe it's true. It makes sense that love should breathe and grow slowly and gently, like the forest. Not pulsate quickly, like the quiver of the heart. Love can't be all muscle and liable to leaks. My lover was a butcher. He caused the burst, the gruesome attack that made my liquid lifeline splatter everywhere. Blood has its place on the inside. Don't take pride in your ability to tease it out. You felt worthless, so a serious spill in your direction was good for your soul. I want it back. I want it back. I know that true love is strong. It's green and it glows. Builds life upon life, and it can't be wrong. Now I know that love is green. Now I know that love is green. Okay, uh, so this isn't named. Now we're getting to unprofessional open mic stage. I'm sorry I had to leave. It's just my hair was on fire. My hair is on fire. It has been for a while. I was born with a full head... Full head of matches in a world full of lighters. So my hair caught on fire. It did so, by the by, as I spoke, before your very eyes. It burned on and on as we chatted. I pondered this and that. With a head full of matches, I lay waste. To the tree, the woods, the forest, the world. So as you can understand, it really was time to leave. If you can't see my fire when I'm looking at your face... I can't breathe. I just can't breathe. Can't breathe. I have to leave. So, yeah, that's a perfect English response to a difficult situation. (laughs) And, um, yeah, so I just wrote this last night, I think, when I couldn't sleep. Uh, And, yeah, it's not not named. Um, So, here we go. Since you made me look, I turned blind. Your tar-brown eyes were the last impression to stain the back of my retinas. So I turned and faced the world, newly blind. My first cry for rescue was to face the mirror, to see what I believed to be a scattered, disjointed mess of screaming personality. But behind my translucent skin and winter sky eyes, I was gone, by you replaced. I saw nothing in my flimsy face. Nothing unless maybe you would see. My outlines are dissolving. I long to sink into you. But whether I can or I can't, I must believe my own legend. No one but me can get me through. Thank you.
0: And that's all we have for this week. So until next time, this is George O'Hara for 3CR's Spoken Word.